to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good day, listener, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. Hope you're having a particularly splendid day, because we have a real something of an episode for you. Helping me tackle this particular beast, over on the other side of the world, is... Craig, hello, from from the place of darkness and explosions. Right, Guy Fawkes, cool. Yeah. yeah. Very, very non-political, secular holiday, that one. It is super sick. No, wait, the other thing. Very normal. Not at all reminiscent of burning a man alive. Is it burning or is he hot? Uh, They were going to do various horrible things. From memory, he cheated slightly by simply dying by hanging as opposed to almost dying by hanging. The cad. How unsporting. Indeed. That's a, that's a great start to this. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Ben. Um, and the topic brought to us by Will Meyer. Thank you, Will. Is yes, thank you. I've been looking forward to the... Oh, oh, you were doing the other sort of... Oh, The other awesome. sort of thank you. Yes. Oh, yes. okay. But thank you straight to hell, Will. The Haunted World of El Superbisto. And... You know, just looking at it, I thought, well, this is fun. This is reminiscent of some sort of crazy luchador telenovela kind of epic with some sort of stout-hearted master vigilante, you know, saving the world. <sighs> if only. Because it kind of is, and it kind of isn't. This isn't, a, this isn't a movie review podcast, which is useful because I'm not sure The Haunted World of El Superbisto made in part by Rob Zombie in 2009, is a movie of any description. Shall we do the, 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 the movie review portion first, or do you want to produce an idea? Given that you have already you, you've watched the film and then contacted me to warn me not to, and I do appreciate that, <laughs> because as I understand it, that, that's the time of your life that you're never getting back. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we, we need to hear about this film. Like, to couch this, I think, Craig, you recall, we, we at one point flattered together, and I expressed a certain opinion that I may have wanted to get made into a t-shirt, or maybe there was someone else wanting to put it on a t-shirt, so as people were warned, about animated production. Do you recall what that was? It's animated. It must be good. Well done. Yes. Okay, I, 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 I do stand for animated entertainment of all sorts and you know anime weird polish things about the work the oppressive cat and the the um working mouse and so forth the whole the whole literally the whole range until now apparently there's a a point where something has been running for a you know several decades and they may have gotten all of the good out of it oh you mean the simpsons and Family Guys, I think that's still running somehow, etc., etc. Yeah, but I'm I'm entirely open to new stuff and seeing what other things can be done. And you know, and I I don't claim that any particular period of animation is better than another. I'm not you know classic Disney or the Disney Renaissance or any part of that. Yeah, it's all cool. And you know, I'm very very um, happy with like current crop of kids animation, which is there are several like stand out examples like Steven Universe and 
a star versus the forces of evil and lots of stuff I haven't even seen, but a lot of it's pretty damned entertaining. Yep. And you know, from, and from then and then because I get the idea that you're leading up to a huge but. Hey, I even and and you know, this and this 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 covers some some of the, the slightly quirkier parts of it, and we're not even not even talking anime. But things like Ralph Bakshi's stuff that he made, like out of underground comics and so forth. The movie Coonskin is deeply uncomfortable to watch, but I was pretty impressed about the the fact that it had been assembled. It did feel kind of cobbled together, to be honest, but it had been made with the cooperation of black entertainers and with the idea of putting a like a lived experience in a real kind of sort of fantasy world, but through the eyes of that community onto the screen it's kind of appalling in places but you know it had some sort of there's a genuineness to it you know even the even the, you know the the his his janky version of lord of the rings and stuff like that cool normally you know i was like i'll sit down and watch that i think what mr zombie and crew were trying to do was do a kind of a pastiche of um Horror movie tropes, and yep, there was, there was a bit of the, 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 the luchador thing, but they came at like the most banal way possible. It's character of El Superbisto is kind of a washed up luchador slash porn star. Not a great start because that's something that's that good. needed to happen. I don't want to like rehash the whole plot, but but it just comes off as look animated titties, look animated gore. Here are some sound effects, Nazi zombies. I was not expecting the uh, the finishing move there. Yeah, and it's just kind of blare. You can tell where it's a joke because they insert a funny noise. Oh. This is the only way you can tell there is a joke. Oh, my. Oh, that's a problem. I think you could you know, mildly rescore it and make it some sort of literally a horror movie. I'm increasingly not sorry that i haven't seen it to be yeah. honest uh, um it, it, the reviews are you know just sort of like oh this is so it, it, you know, the, the positive reviews are oh so hedgy but you know it's like I, I don't know who the audience is who want to see cartoon breasts on characters drawn the red and stimpy style and it does kind of feel like the i mean first of all south park and things like that have uh, like a satire to them They've got their own huge problems, but they're, they're definitely poking fun at a thing. You can tell what they're poking fun at. This one is just bewildering. So, yeah. Thanks, Will. That was one of the few times I've sat there going, well, when will this be over? I'd encourage anyone to check the trailer out because the very the, my, the, my favorite bit was the very, op- the very first opening with, like, a Criswell... I can't identify specifically the, the, the person they're taking off. There's a guy doing a um, a warning about the, the graphic nature of the content and how it might be upsetting. It's all in black and white. Um, and even the, the little thing is like a, like an early, like a 1930s movie credit sequence. I thought, okay, this is really interesting. And then it immediately just became tacky and gross. I was like, did you, did you need to do that? And then just stayed that way for ages. But did it give you any ideas? The best idea I'd, I'd have is to take the elements out of that, out of the movie, and make it into a good game. Literally, if you if you said famous luchador, adopted one-eyed sister, super spy, battling 
artificially intelligent enhanced ape minion of Dr. Satan, it'd be hard not to come up with a pretty interesting game for that. They tangle with a Mexican biker gang and a Nazi zombie. Actually, one of the bits in the film, which hopefully I will not keep doing this, but one of the bits in the film is where they sing a like a, a, a cheery Josie and the Pussycat slash um, Scooby-Doo kind of song during a chase with Nazi zombies on motorbikes. And it's doing the flatly describing what's going on during the chase in the lyrics of the song. But there's nothing else to it. That's the entire joke. They're just do- describing what's going on. There's no, there's, there is nothing more than that. It's, you're, you're supposed to assemble in your head, aha, they're doing that thing. And that's it. An, an underwhelming cinematic experience is the general vibe I'm getting here. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, honestly, pulling the elements out of that, making it slightly more respectful, respectful to women and minorities, maybe much more respectful than women and minorities. And you could have a good pulpy fun game, literally. But other than that, yeah, the actual, I kind of regret watching the film because it hasn't taken up my entire understanding of that phrase as just hot garbage. Whereas not having seen the film, I did read the Wikipedia summary, which admittedly did make me not do as much work as I could have to try to source a a legitimate way of seeing that film. It did teach me you can you can you it's not possible to actually unstream a movie. That's a warning for you all. How would you unstream a movie? I haven't figured it out, but as soon as I do, I'll let you know. <laughs> you you want those electrons back, basically. Pretty much, pretty much. I feel okay. I feel somehow I was 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 cheated. <laughs> Well, not not having seen the film allowed me to to go in various directions with it. So I came up with a couple of ideas. There was a suggestion on the thread on the Fear the Boot forum, which kind of gave me a fragment of another one. Do you want to lay blame, as, as we already had, where that lies and start with, um, was it Taz coming up with a suggestion, just to give context? Yes, it was Taz who gave me the idea and also... Uh, had a suggestion for our previous episode, Die Farben. You're expecting some sort of drum roll at that point? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you just can't pause Die Farben. Well, I guess starting at the start, Taz had asked, and I, I don't actually remember what I said when, what, what either of us said when the um, the episode was announced, but Taz is asking, with a, a, uh, a, a grinning smiley, wait, is the prompt for next time, for the love of God, or... The Haunted World of El Superbisto, which did give me a terrible, terrible idea. Yeah, I didn't know there was an option, and again, I feel cheated. R- running down the list of the ideas for this that I wrote down while I was at a tech conference in Berlin, he says, blatantly travel bragging. Oh, yeah. It's not that far for you. <laughs> it isn't. With, with, with a prompt like The Haunted World of El Superbisto, if you do not get Lucha Libre in there in some way... What are you even doing? Well, yes. And so what came to mind initially was we sort of put our setting a bit into the future. The world has collapsed. Yeah, You've got your standard fortified outposts of approximate civilization surrounded by wastelands filled with horrors. We, we make our setting basically stereotypical sleepy little walled desert towns in 
Mexico or areas adjacent to Mexico. Texamo or wherever. Indeed. You wouldn't have to have this sleepy, dusty little um, little walled town, but yeah, it, it's worked for a lot of Westerns. Yeah, so. no, if, if, you, if you're going to be vibing on any sort of Western lone gunslinger kind of thing, it would help. You people could get the mood. Indeed. And so we have walls to keep out the nasty things and maybe salt and iron. To keep out the nastier things. Yeah, to keep out the nastier things that can walk through the walls, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so people's worlds have shrunk. There isn't a lot of travel. There isn't a lot of entertainment. But this is a very fer- uh, fertile ground for, as it were, the, the, the resurgence of Lucha Libre. Hmm. With these over-the-top characters. A, a, a passion play of sorts? A kind of a... Indeed. Yeah. You know, you've got the good guy. You've got the bad guy. You know, a story to feel good about, basically. Also one that doesn't need a lot of elaborate infrastructure supported and that can travel. Indeed. Basically, you've got a bunch of guys in masks. Mm-hmm. And so in this setting, and like I say, you don't have to have the dusty little town, but it, it is a trope for a reason. But this could be anywhere. It's effectively just traveling is dangerous. Entertainment is scarce. And this is the sort of entertainment that actually you can do pretty cheaply possibly as part of a traveling variety show who knows hmm. so in any case yeah, you know, when the the luchadors are in town awesome brilliant we've got we've got entertainment we've got these these well they're not quite legendary because everybody knows it's made up but at the same time they're kind of representative of legendary figures yeah i for some reason i'm going the the one excellent part of Reign of Fire where the, the the two people on the stage basically doing the William Shakespeare version of Star Wars. Yeah, telling the kids, oh, you know, we're totally making this up Yeah, as yeah. we go along. Yeah, yeah, we're just that creative. And But, yeah, the idea of keeping culture alive for these sort of performances and, and putting in legendary mythical figures, but the stuff that's kind of carried on from a, a half-forgotten past thing, that, that's very appealing, yeah. And then we put the twist on it, because it's the haunted world of El Superbisto. And to be blunt, well, actually, I do know that there are some games out there that are all about professional wrestling. Mm. It's still, I mean, that's effectively a combat system and a bit of a narrative mechanic. Let's have some more fun with it. So you've got these caravans of people traveling through the, the wilderness. They're wearing masks, masks representing the various characters Masks preserving the anonymity. Masks so that the monsters don't know who they're looking for. Mm. And not is it, is it just like a, a thing of like, hooray, we've got some entertainment to watch. It's like, also, these guys fix problems on the side. Or maybe that's what they're... Maybe this is like a dual role. I mean, it's not quite um, dogs in the vineyard, maybe, but kind of close. I luchadors in the market square yeah yeah yes they they will fix i mean they are outsiders Mm. when they're out there away from the town they're probably beating the mortal shit out of the various horrors and then they come into town and they tell the story and i think you could do far worse than to borrow the the fear mechanic from deadlands yeah because that did have a bit of different areas had basically a fear rating and the higher that was the worse things were Mm. and so 
these guys who are, and presumably gals, who are traveling from place to place, they're beating the shit out of the monsters. Maybe the people in the town have some inkling that that's what they're doing out there. Maybe they don't. But they arrive and they tell the story about the defeat of the uh, the vampire kingdom through the mechanism of overblown luchador bouts. And this kind of tells the story and helps to bring that fear rating down a bit. Hmm. Yep. So that was kind of cut one of the idea. Cool. I'm I'm liking I'm liking this already. To be honest, it's um, the other yeah. Probably the other reasons is that I've found the um, the the film a bit dreary was the main character is just a complete ass his only involvement in the story appears to be caused by his erection so that's a not a great start but also i've been <laughs> i've been you know reading back on some interviews with the makers of love and of love and rockets which has a strong mm. latin american american experience in california wrestling as a component has got and it's a it's a amazing semi-multi-generational soap opera that has all sorts of different sort of threads running through and and that i can see real i I can see deep potential in these larger than life characters ostensibly going from place to place and presenting these these like morality tales these these good versus evil i mean they're probably even they even have the heels dressed as various kinds of bad guys oh yeah they they fulfill the role of you know having of having these conflicts and you know maybe they are just that respected and that that well honored in the society that you know they, they get they they may it's not just that they're out there in the wilderness punching the shit out of vampires is that they're going from place to place resolving issues finding out what is actually the problem being confided in about issues in the in the community and helping resolve them there may be little sort of like disputes and so forth or tensions or it might be, yes, children livestock being dragged off into the night by creatures. The chupacabra, yes. Chupacabra's going to be a... Though not having a luchador known as the chupacabra would be a shame. I, I like the idea that if they're going to be... Um, you know, if they're, they're presenting these tales, that you've probably got somebody wearing the mask, a mask representing the vampire king, who, when he takes it off, is all still wearing a heel mask underneath it. Because the mask is important. This, oh yeah, and that's all. This, it's all part of the power. It's all part of the the responsibility. I mean, yeah, these. Who was that? That particular, the particularly heroic one who was in El Santo? Yeah, because he, he's like, yeah, it's like a modern day. Not even sure what. Yeah, it's like a yeah, like a folk hero, but just very much, very much folk hero. Yeah, w- walking around doing movies and stuff as well because it's the the medium of the era, and and even if you do literally. The poor village goes out to, to, to town and recruits seven mighty luchadors from the big city to defend them from nice. the vampires. It's like, yeah, that would be pretty cool. And then you could you, you could play the slightly slightly different where they are not all of the same particular style or their approaches are slightly different. And the seven but the seven of them are banding together to defend this um, this place. So yeah, this the seven lucherati probably not the complete um conjugation but almost certainly not indeed the the idea of them acting as some level of impartial adjudicator has a certain something to it as well Mm. i I hadn't thought of that angle that yes you've got these masked people who aren't of the village you know they're not of the village so 
they can maybe adjudicate those disputes that nobody in the village is sufficiently removed from to be able to do. It's yeah, it's something anything's come to sufficient of an impasse that you know they they need an outside thing. But it's less. It's like it's not so so much a, a legal issue as more of a a, a question of character and um, mm. and and etiquette or. Um, it is, is something that is, is very passionately held and it's not something you would trust to. There may be circuit judges or something that go around and do that sort of thing. Is Hopefully before it comes a legal dispute and you get the law involved, you can say, well, maybe there is no maybe there is no law. Maybe it is just the, the one side have been punching or, or shooting one another and somehow it has to be made to stop. Okay, that was your cut one of the idea, um, which yep. I already enjoyed more than that film. So, well done. Yeah, excellent. Cut 2 has exactly the same setup, but instead... Oh, in, in Cut 1, the luchadors are wearing masks so that the horrors... Mostly so that the horrors can't find them. Can't identify who they are. And because it's part of the tradition, Cut 2 has exactly the same setup. You've got these walled towns. You've got the, the, the horseshoe on the door and everything like that which makes it very, very difficult to a monster to get into the town. But you dress up in a sparkly outfit, and you put a mask on, and they'll throw the gates wide open, and they'll invite you into their houses. Ooh, okay. Presumably you're not doing, like, Vampire the Masked Masquerade. This could be a way of supernatural entities being able to do good and interact with people. I, I hadn't thought of that one. My my thought was the in this one the monsters yeah the monsters in the mask masks are the monsters. They don't have the capacity to just sort of a hundred percent take down the town from within, but they can influence and they can weaken. And this would basically be a a kids on rusty bikes type of game, right? Where. No, no, these are luchadors. They travel. Oh, the silly children. They think the heel with the monster uh, face is really a monster. Ah, ha, 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 ha. No, the kids are right. Right. It's sort of a, some, a something wicked. Very much, yeah. Something wicked. Uh, basically, that one would, would be probably not a one-shot, but it's not going to be a repeated thing. And yes, it would be your horror, your your kids on bikes horror style thing of... There is something bad. It's wormed its way into the the affections of the of the adults, but Dude. the kids have Dude. for some reason seen it. Dude, mm-hmm. you know that thing where I come up with a pun that kind of encapsulates the whole idea. Yep, Stranger Rings. Nice. Yeah, I would be loath to make it a straight up the wrestlers are the bad guys though. Maybe it was more like uh, Carnival. Or, which I actually haven't seen, though I understand it's kind of a bit like that. Something Wicked This Way Comes, maybe, or The Great Secret Show? Maybe a bit more of the Clive Barker kind of stuff, where the, the, this is the way that the these folks are able to contribute to society, and this is where they have their places. Maybe not quite freaks, not quite, well, now I'm thinking about WWE. It's not that hard, actually, to bring that <laughs> those two together. So... It would be, I'm sure there was a property I had in mind that was that the kids suspect something is is not good. It is, and it is not what it seems, but it's also a, a an attraction to a world where these folks who must live apart 
but also try and help the community. I think my sympathies would lie with, interestingly enough, the wrestlers on this particular thing. So could have some fun kind of crossing the streams, as it were, because I hadn't thought of this is the vampire, the masquerade slash werewolf furry superhero thing, Mm. or even taking uh, a jump to a previous generation. I play the monsters game called nightlife. I think I don't recall that one. I could have the name wrong. It was, it was some play on night. Hmm. I've never, the, the only not night breed, which is kind of like the, um, that was the Clive Barker kind of, the movie of Clive Barker's book, Cabal. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I've, I've never read the game itself. I just remember an article in Dragon Magazine, of all Ooh, things. Okay, that dates it. Talking about, basically, it was a, a playable, pitching a playable gargoyle race for Nightbreed, or Night something or other. I'll, I'll look it up, um, okay. more, more to the point. Yeah, I'm on there's... editing, so you're on show notes, so you can look it up. Sure, I'll see what I, I'll see what totally inappropriate thing called nightlife I can find, and attribute it to you. <laughs> but yes, you could you could have some fun with that one where you've got the these are the monsters who are kind of protecting. They're having to live apart, and maybe they didn't start out as monsters. Maybe they did start out as as wrestlers, but being out there and fighting things kind of changes you. That it's uh. not just it's not just the things that those walls and wards keep out. It's also just the effect of the outside world on a person that circles me back to something that i may have mentioned in previous episodes around the dragon quest characters in the guild no longer you know no longer basically appearing to be human because functionally people have been playing the game for long enough that the cheered npc the the baron who runs the the place cannot imagine he is the authority in his own like Dutchy or so forth anymore, because he literally has the Justice League of America, but with swords on a hill over the river. And unspeakable wealth. Unspeakable, like the the money they have is 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 more frightening than the fantastic weapons or the weird magical mutations or the you know the the idea that you know I mentioned Detector is an ability that's quite central to the the function of the game, even though it's not evenly distributed one of the things that lets you do very basically is see how intense an aura something has uh, most you know if something is doesn't have some magic or some life to it it doesn't actually have an aura. you know average rock you can't tell very much about but if it's a, a plant you can see it's like a little, little aura if it's undead it's got a slightly different shade but it's 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 still kind of like a zombie or a skull have something quite low and a living an animal's got is higher and a sentient creature is high yep um up to more more spectacular things but yeah the idea of the adventurers go from being normal humans to something called guild beast and you get the metal voice whenever you get whenever you do the um detect aura because they're not human anymore they've been magically irradiated and sent to other planes and they've been in the presence of holy artifacts way more often than they should have been so yeah the idea that maybe that the I don't know. There's, there's there's two different kind of two different ends of the axis. The idea that there's monsters blending into society with you know good or ill will, or people who have gone to the extremes and you know acquired abilities and things that make them make it necessary to to you know either to mask themselves to either protect their anonymity or just to protect other people from the, the, you know, the, the fierceness of their visage. Maybe they just 
that hard ass, you know, look, look you look in their eyes as to to um, risk death just from the zero intensity of their stare, kind of thing. Is if the various Cthulhu monsters wanted to do the right thing and didn't want to send everybody mad in their passage. Yeah. Well, you could look at things like the Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust film, mm. which had that kind of that kind of thing of you've got the character who is a monster who fights other monsters, but still gets to deal with being effectively outcast from most places. Yeah, ostracized and feared because yeah. obvious reasons. But this all there's a lot going on there actually. Is there any particular one you'd like to pick? Because I'm just kind of spinning off into random kind of tangents here. Was, is there any? No, I mean that's more or less what we do. Guilty. I hadn't thought of the monsters in disguise as protagonist angle. That's a nice one. Yeah, I jump there because normally you don't play. You don't generally go for the evil doers as characters kind of thing. So mm. normally, but yeah, the idea that you're know, playing them as the if you want to play the evil doers subverting the um, the population or doing sort of clever things like that it's certainly yeah it's possible i i personally wouldn't do that one i would be in that scenario i'd be doing the you were a bunch of kids um mm. I, depending on the take you could go with you could um can't believe i didn't think of it earlier uh there is a i think series of books and um and games under the the generalized heading of peter and the monsters which um yeah. the gutter skypes had a crack at um, at one point that is very much kids battling monsters that the adults don't a hundred percent believe in. Right. So there, that, that kind of vibe, but yeah, the monsters in masks trying to do their thing has a certain something to it. Mm. You've got to wonder why did they come to this specific town? Is it just random chance that they are wandering around as luchadors or have they come to this town because there's some threat there. Something managed to get in, and they're going to try to stop it without killing half the town from fright when they take their masks off. There would be an interesting, not quite traitor mechanic, but a layer of identity smuggling in a con game, certainly. If you're like, yes, you are all in this town. You are the masked wrestlers and magical predictors of this town. But stuff has been happening that you can't account for and you're beginning to suspect one of you is not who he says he is. And consequently, you know, maybe there is one who has just just arrived and, oh, he's the new guy. Maybe he's the suspect, but, oh, no, maybe it's somebody else is playing the long game. And, yeah, you're, you're dealing with maybe like three layers of masks there with the, like the identity mm. of the the identity of the. The, the heroic luchador because you could use quite a few if you're doing that sort of we all have a common goal but we're not entirely sure everyone's on the same side kind of game you get the opportunity of like you're having the, the the person who just arrived the upstart kid the person who's been around forever and knows everything and could totally pull this off the guy who plays the bad guy is he actually the bad guy kind of thing and those sorts of archetypes would be if you wanted to extend that's the that sort of scenario you just have you swap around who the bad guy is from these various things you know because they've all got they all may have an opportunity an opportunity or motive to do that and so while you're confronting the obvious problem you're also realizing that the likelihood that somebody on the team isn't who they who isn't who they say they are nice kayfabe all the way down very nice 
with the the, the monsters wearing wearing masks as the good guys thing does actually get sort of gets into the territory of the other branch of ideas that I I went with, but. Mm-hmm. Um, Given that we also have a thing from Taz about uh, Dai Farben, shall we? Um, yeah, excellent. Shall we do that one mm-hmm. and and then loop back? Sure. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to be an all Craig episode, and nobody wants that shit. <sighs> so Taz wrote, and this is for the the previous episode, Dai Farben. The first thing that popped into my mind was using Siren, where players are lab rats that have been experimented on, due to mad science. They can see one color each that doesn't exist. Magnetic fields, truth, lust, luck, etc. As the game progresses, they go from seeing their chosen color to being able to manipulate it. I'd also include a crazed German hunter that is chasing them. At some point, he has to inject all of the drugs so that he can be more powerful than the PCs. And then he will, of course, scream, Die Farben! Yes, the power, it fills me. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it might be a little bit more specific than Siren, because Siren's supposed to be super loosey-goosey and you'd come up with everything along the line, but something in that vein, sure. Mm. And the idea of being able to see concepts and, you know, other non-states would be uh, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool take on the colours. Yeah, being able to see luck is an interesting one. How would that even work? You'd figure it out. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 mean, I guess it'd be like a, a version of the domino mutant power from, well, most recently from the Deadpool film, except it's kind of a when faced with various options, just which is the luckiest path here? Mm. Which way do I go? Because it's maybe not always going to be the direction you want to go. True. That one, that one requires some thinking. But yeah, just being able to see... Abstract concepts is kind of fun. I can see in Wi-Fi. Mm. That'd be handy. My, my well, justice ray is tingling. Yeah. Yeah, see Wi-Fi would be handy, but... Uh, I've got an app on my phone that more or less does that. Yeah, relatively pedestrian. Yeah. And being able to see the data that is travelling through Wi-Fi... Mm. There was there was a character in Alphas, a yeah. two-season thing, which was... Interesting, creepy in a way. Yeah, as, as a as a as a low a low key superhero thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so sort of superheroes with issues caused by their superpowers. Very low. Yeah, it was very low key. Yeah, I didn't quite like it. Yeah, the 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 idea of well, the escaped escaped lab rats has a certain um has a certain fun to it. Actually, getting Die Farben in there is pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, that shows commitment. Well done, Taz. I would like to play Siren at some point. Yes, yes. I, you know, I've got a copy and and so forth. If we ever do some sort of fantastic streaming experience, I'm sure we can sort something out. Mm, indeed. You had you had another another El Superbisto improvement. El Superbisto idea. This one is draws a little bit on the M Night Shyamalan film The Village. Okay. Still a better movie than Hell Super Beasto, but sure. <laughs> Which I liked as a film. I mean, I've never actually seen a bad M. Night Shyamalan film, but that may be because when trying to watch the Avatar Last Airbender movie um, he made on a plane in Australia, the entire plane's entertainment system crashed and could not be rebooted. 
it knew it knew what you, it was asking you to do and took its own life. More or less, yeah. It yeah. Um, it, it made the noblest of sacrifices. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, I, I was quite impressed. I didn't realize how centralized those th- those units are and that you could take down the entire plane <laughs> but that's what happened i'm glad you survived the impact as well <laughs> uh well i saw the first 10 minutes that made quite a lot of impact right no no yeah, I was... you, you said it took down the entire plane i thought this was going to play out into um an unbreakable thing where you're um, the sole survivor of the plane crash caused by him like Shyamalan means you obviously you know you're, you're Bruce Willis suddenly yeah cool <laughs> I've got more hair than Bruce Willis but I'll let it stand yeah, fair enough. not after a plane crash possibly but you can go for it <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm assuming uh, we would just like magically grow back or something like, uh, yeah, yeah that's that's standard that is that uh, comes with comes with the whole set yeah indeed okay so this this is it's not that far away from the previous idea but you've you've effectively got Small, isolated town, going a lot more fantasy in this take on it. You've got an isolated town, and there's a monster that lives in the woods surrounding the town. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trade caravans still do get through, but they they tend to be quite big caravans. Mm. And every so often, the monster will attack the caravan and, and take someone. And sometimes the monster even comes into town and will will take people or do stuff yeah this 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 idea is a little woolier i'm not entirely sure how to inject the player characters into it but from a from a setting element you've got this monster out there the townsfolk know about it they've got they've kind of figured out where the boundaries are so very akin to the village with you know this is this is the color this is the these are all of the things that one doesn't do but what nobody seems to have noticed is that yeah, the, the the beast will occasionally attack a um, a trade caravan, but weirdly, it'll bypass all of the outlying pickets set up to protect the caravan. It will, like, it'll break into a specific carriage and take one or two people and leave everybody else intact. And it might come into town and it might might kill someone, but it doesn't just sort of rampage through the house and kill the entire family. It sort of does this surgical kill of one person. Hmm. And basically, the monster's keeping them safe. Hmm. There are worse things than it out there, and it's doing what it can. Interesting. But I'm not 100 on how you inject... You can. I can see how you can write that as a story. I can't see how you can do that as a game. It might be a mysterious set piece in an ongoing campaign where, you know party adventurers come to a town and think, oh, this is a problem that we could solve. I'm sure they'd love us to solve it. And it's like, oh, the the problem is that, say, there's a some sort of wuggy in the forest, but it's also in conflict with a like a group of doppelgangers or something. So it's something mm-hmm. is... And, and they're trying to get a foothold in the town for various reasons, and... It may mean that you know the town up the way is actually completely compromised. Yeah, that would be kind of a creepy enemy within kind of situation. Yeah, and maybe this this, this little town this this they, they've managed to. Yep. Yeah, it could be quite it could be quite a thing with your your character, your players come to they come to town A. Everyone's really nice and helpful and pleasant, and you know they're always they, you know they're, they're giving them stuff and saying oh. You're a big, tough adventurer. I bet you could beat the beast that Town B is having a problem with. 
it, I think they're having a really bad time and this creature comes in and occasionally it kills people there and you know anyone moves into the town you know they might be at risk we'll, we'll, we'll even help you out because you know those guys those, those guys are in a tough situation yeah yeah it's like, don't clear. miss your last chance to not go near the um the the haunted castle Yes. While not going near the haunted castle, don't forget to visit the "Don't Go Near the Haunted Castle" gift shop sort of territory. Yeah, and they go to the town. It's like this: this town's like on a completely different economic setting. It's kind of depressed, and they're like, no, "This is slightly enormous graveyard." It's like, like what's going on? It's like it's weird. Folks coming into town get you know pounced on and killed, and sometimes other people do too. But the the what they uncover is that you need a particular critter, something that's you know generally a loner, but can re- has you know has enmity with doppelgangers and realizes what's going on. So when people are casually replaced in the town, or they've they've replaced people in a caravan coming to the town, because the doppelgangers run town A pretty much completely. Mm. Anytime someone gets inserted or replaced, it, it and, so, and once it finds out, it has to creep in and gank them. <laughs> and, and rush off again and it's and i wonder if it's just a case of oh look somebody washed up in the river right so that's the face i'm looking for oh yeah maybe you know maybe, oh maybe it's just got particular senses that allow it to find you know it might just be a really mm. excellent sense of smell and so forth but yeah it's like and maybe yeah it just turns up bodies it goes okay well, someone about that tall might have recently had a bit of an illness in the town um and now they're just wandering around just fine. Isn't that good? Mm. Yes, and you could have a lot of... Actually, if you went with that one in particular, you could have a lot of fun with... You know, these the do- doppelgangers keep showing up and they are replacing people, but yeah. you know, the, the beast is keeping it in check, but it can't find the source. I mean, I'd be looking at the town doctor. Uh, specifically, if it's... if I mean, the, the, part of, the part of the twist I was thinking of was that if town A is doppelganger city... The beast mm. is only really interested in the area around its home, but it's clearly becoming a real, a real issue. And the and the the doppelgangers are a wanting to take over town B, and know that this this thing is a predator of their kind and wants to deal with them. So they like just herd the adventurers towards it, hoping that they'll sort it out. They'll sort it out for them. Mm. And yeah, it's like, uh, and then the, hopefully across the turn of events, you know, the adventurers start going. Well, okay, everyone who's moved into the town has died, plus a few random other people. And then maybe they find one of these bodies from a, a person who has already who has been killed by the monster as well. And they start going, wait a minute. Yeah, how have we got two of this guy? Yeah. Both dead. Those aren't human organs. I think it was in an Oglaf comic that did have... Basically, the king gets kind of pulled into uh, pulled into a side room by his his vizier and his um, and the vizier's assistant to get an update on the 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 terrible incursion of the doppelgangers. At which point, the assistant knifes the king. The king collapses. The assistant drops his doppelganger disguise. The vizier drops his doppelganger disguise. Then they're staring down at the king, who is a dead. Doffelganger. It's very much a. We, we need a code or something. This is getting ridiculous. <laughs> yes, and but the idea. Yeah, I, I I quite quite amused by the idea. The adventurers have to have to figure out there's something wrong. That the creature may not be the villain of this piece, and how to come back through town 
B and A, because that's pretty much the only place you can go, without tipping off the doppelgangers, some, they've, they've, they've twigged there's a problem. That could turn into a Shadow over Innsmouth uh, situation in Town A real fast. Really fast, yes. That would, yeah, and, and, and regardless of where they twig, it would be quite amusing. It's like, aha! They get back to, the, they get back to Town A. They've, they've bypassed Town B for some reason. It's like, it's all good. Or you know, maybe they even they rocked up to town, to town to town B and it's like and they're right there, but they rock, they rock up town A. And it's like oh we solved the problem. The beast is fine. All he's doing is killing this this um, this constant stream of doppelgangers. So coming from some oh shit yeah. <laughs> oh that's a problem. Um, yeah, it's like oh constant stream. There must be lots of them. So- oh, oh. oh no, <laughs> that'd be fun. That would be yeah. fun. I like that too. Cool. Dude, you, you did overtime for my um, lack of inspiration after watching that film. I guess I, I played my part as well, but... You watched that film so that I didn't have to. So as far as I'm concerned, you have definitely contributed in a significant and memorable way to this episode. And I say memorable because you're never going to forget seeing that film. I don't think I ever will. That was... Uh, I've had, like, fillings that I wanted to be over less than that film. Wow. Okay. I mean, this is this is reminding me more and more of uh, the recent Dark Tower movie. Okay. Though, to be fair, when I left that at the end of the film, I was mostly thinking, "Why did you bother?" I, I, I got I got to assume that Mr. Zombie had been trying to make movies in Hollywood for for several years. He, he's a, a passionate passionate fan of horror movies and the likes. He was going to put together a bunch of references to them because you know there's there's references to Alien though it's literally the one from Spaceballs, pretty much. There's a Jack Torrance character in the bar. There's there's the, the, the there's a wedding plot, and that turns into the um, the school prom thing from Carrie. While they, again, flatly describe exactly what's going on in this, on the screen in the song about this uh, that's running over it, and and wanted to do that in the way of the sort of the the underground the the, the underground comics fits the cat kind of thing, but it does not come together. Mm. Did not, as it were, stick the landing, or indeed much of the aerial routine. I'm more getting the impression of like of like a, a a new bold experimental plane rolling down the runway to 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 leap into the sky and then just kind of disintegrating into con- constituent parts. Rolling into the grass, then just spontaneously catching fire. You know, didn't even stick the takeoff. It must be for someone, but it nearly killed me. Okay, that is that is a thing. See, there you go. You've worked hard for this um, for this episode. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks, Will. <laughs> that was a good episode. I, I I think we got some great material out of it. Most of uh, it mine. So I'm very happy. Indeed. Indeed. No, you you and, some... and, and self obsessed. Um, you know, <laughs> It's working for you. It's just, yeah. No, actually, no. It was, it's a, it was no. It was a good suggestion. I just wish I'd elected to just go on the basis of the trailer. Honestly. Well, for 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 my final thing to throw out there, and it really is just a fragment mm-hmm. based on the question of wait, is the episode prompt the haunted world of El Superbisto, or is it oh dear God, or sort of oh for the love of God. There was a photo I had taken at one point at the, the railway station where I live, near where I live. I don't actually live at the railway station, though that would be really cool. Totally up for that. Anyway. Already kind of looked like a hobo, so fair enough. <laughs> hey, that's distressingly accurate. 
<laughs> I had taken this picture of the train station uh, when I was getting off the train late at night. And because this is the last station, or at least the last passenger station on the line, so it, it's very much the end of the line, it was at night, it was quite a clear night, with a fair bit of, fairly cold, so there's a fair bit of, of um, mist in the air, catching the lights in the car park. And so what you basically got is the this shot along the platform of train, platform, people, sort of illuminated area around the steps, and sort of around the station, and then just utter blackness. Hmm. I had um, sent that uh, that picture to Jack, who had made the comment of, you know, and as you exit, uh, yeah, exit the train, make sure to take all of your valuables with you, and for the love of God, stay in the light. And yeah. so, sort of combining the two, it, you know, the and and misremembering slightly the term for a a railroad guard, which is basically a bull, mm. misremembering it as a beast, and just thinking there is the apocalypse world hack out there, ghost lines, yeah, which is about people being railroad bulls on these trains traveling between cities that are protected against the ghosts that haunt the world. It's a very Final Fantasy movie. Okay. I'm not sure where you go with that, but just the idea of El Superbisto, just this legendary railroad bull. Yeah, the, the, the Ernest Shackleton, as it were, of the of of the railroad world, the one who always gets everybody home. Mm. regardless of what happened. Honestly, I would be... I'd use the same world, except make the characters people riding the rails and make El Superbisto be the the boogeyman. Ah. Yeah. Uh, The the railroad bull who was just out there for so long that he just went bad. Maybe Mm. he's he's like just the apex predator of these, these ghost train kind of situations. Okay, and you know, you've got a, and yeah, maybe the the world in between the pool, the pools of light around the the stations uh, is in his hospitable and so forth. But also, the ride is not without its risks. Mm. Like I said, it's a bit of it's a fragment of an idea more than anything else. Just for, just by that use of the phrase of oh, for the love of God. Those are some excellent ideas. Even if my contribution is please, please don't watch this movie. If someone doesn't take my advice and they enjoy it. More power to you. Maybe this is sort of like psychic bash backwash from the the revelations about John Kay and the, the art style kind of making me think, yeah, this is this could have only been made in like 2009. John Kay? He was the the character designer and the guy attributed with creating Ren and Stimpy. Okay. Turned out he was a total shit of a human being as well. Yeah, that sucks. If, if anything that has been revealed about him in the last like was a year and a half was true, yeah, he's just gross. So that's I was, not. Great. I was never a fan of Ren and Stimpy, but it always always sucks when the person who made something that a lot of people really enjoy turns out to be a complete cockwomble. Yeah, so that that kind of helped, but no, I think I think there's, there's there are different problems with the production. I and kind of the the tone of it's kind of petty and mean i don't know if maybe rob has been trying to make movies in hollywood so long he's just kind of sick of it and um this was supposed to be his uh, cry of pain or something but i don't i don't know <laughs> the contractual I, obligation movie 
no one would make an animated film for a contractual obligation movie, especially not somebody who did House of a Thousand Corpses, which I understand is, as a horror movie is pretty good. I couldn't watch it. Yeah, it was too horror for my tastes, but the cinematography was amazing. Yeah. Looks beautiful. Or so, at least it did on the shitty TV that I was watching it on. So it could be that on a decent TV it, it looks dreadful, but on, on, on a shitty TV it looked amazing. So despite the fact this will drop in three weeks, this is our spooky Halloween episode. Well, our spooky guy folks. Three weeks is an awkward lag to have on these. So we're not we're never topical. Indeed. Never will be. And proudly so. If only because the other option was to be embarrassed about not being topical. And really, there's not much we can do about that. No, can't, can't play on that at all. So I guess that, that is it for Big Red Couch 115, The Haunted World of El Superbisto. What, what is our next um, exciting episode going to be about? Big Red Couch 116 is the prompt. On Thursday, he became a monk, which no one expected. So, is anybody else thinking that TV show? That's Monk, rather than a monk. I guess he is technically a monk. All right. So, until then, take care, everybody, and we will see you next time. Beware of the monsters in the darkness, but Mm -hmm. remember, they might just be trying to help. Or to eat your face. It really could go either way. It's a bit of a coin toss, yeah. All right. (laughs) Take care, everyone. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.